This week, two D&D book titles have been leaked, and we talk about putting story in your combat encounters, plus a, a lot of rambling. Welcome to We Speak Common. And welcome to another episode of the D&D podcast for everyone, because here we speak common. I, it still makes me feel cheesy, but I love it inside too. Uh, this is the show brought to you in partnership by two wonderful partners. Uh, the Dice Dungeon are your one-stop shop for all things D&D paraphernalia, which is my new way of describing them. Uh, it started off as a brilliant place to get dice, and they still are, but you can also get actual D&D books, things like spell cards and all of the likes. If you want to go and have a look at their wares, why am I saying this like I'm a 1920 salesman? If you want to go and look at their, their stuff that you can buy from them, then there's a link in the description below. And of course, you can use the code we speak common to get 10% off your entire order. Uh, my recent purchase, which I have not stopped talking about for literal weeks, were the plain shard Shadowfell dice. Honestly, I cannot tell you how gorgeous those dice are. The picture doesn't do them justice. They're even, if you think they look good on the screen, they look even better in person. So that's my recommendation. We'll talk more about them a little bit later. The other patron, of course, is Describe, spelled D-S-C-R-Y-B. Describe.com is the place to go if you struggle with creative writing. If you're running a homebrew D&D game and you long for that box text as a warm blanket to make sure you're describing things well, well then, Describe is the place to go. They've got hundreds and thousands of scenes of places, creatures, uh, and... Uh, uh, spells as well there's items added to that list very very soon they'll be coming out eventually over 1500 scenes and counting they add them all the time and if you want to get access to all of them rather than the limited free selection that you get just by going to have a look at the website right now then you can subscribe and use the code common for 10% off every single month as part of your membership um, again links in the description below so check them out that's described dscryb.com the last people that we should mention and I, I should probably say probably the most important people that we should mention are, of course, the beautiful patrons who support the show directly. If you want to be a part of that group and get access to our private Discord server, then uh, there's a link below as well. And of course, you get extra goodies as and when they are created. Uh, there's been quite a few these last few weeks, uh, including uh, right now you can go and grab yourself a copy of the Expanded Poisoned Condition, which is, uh, well, was inspired by one of the topics on this show. So if you want to go and grab that, that's on the Patreon too. Um, and actually today's topic comes from a Patreon. But before we get into that, I should say hello to my wonderful guest, Wesley, hello. Hello, I am here, I'm hither. This, You're this hither. hither. Hither doth thou you I, are. I, I thought I would say something fancy just for the wares, right, that I heard earlier. Okay. Yeah. Leaning into that bit. <laughs> don't know where that came from. I don't I don't know why I went into nice. Business style, speech, but... okay? Just getting yeah. into <laughs> I don't know. It's been a slow day for me. I still feel like I'm like half asleep and I know the heat doesn't help either. It's very hot at the moment here. I'm and slightly like, dying. Oh it's like I just I'm melting. I'm melting into everything that I do to the point where mm. I'm either literally melting or both like my brain is melting as well. I can't form sentences, which is good when you want to do a podcast. So and let's see how this goes. 
Just can't. <laughs> you can't have a fan on. It's just yeah, I'm sorry. your normal luxuries. It's a no go. <laughs> I'm sorry. I yeah. You. you I miss, the sound uh, would be too much. I miss working from an air conditioned office. <laughs> My the last office I worked in, um, the air conditioning it had air conditioning, but not upstairs. So it only had air conditioning in, because obviously it was a radio station, so it mm-hmm. had air conditioning in the studios and in the racks room, which was like the best place ever. It was like a walk-in freezer. It was amazing. But upstairs was the hottest place in the world. Like, we had new windows installed, and even that didn't help. It's... Oh, oh I'm so glad I'm not there this summer. Yeah, so. that does not sound good. I've I've been lucky enough to be in areas mostly with air conditioning. Um, same principle though. Uh, when I worked at a casino, just as a note, people from there know this. On the bottom floor, where all the customers were, you had air conditioning, but you have to when you had to go upstairs to do anything, just the worst. Just you, you're just like I don't want to go up there. I'm I'm gonna die. Uh, because it, same thing, massive windows, uh, mm. and it just the whole place was boiling. Um, so when they have to like move inventory and stuff, it was just, it was just like, can you do it? No, please, because mm. I don't want to today. <laughs> no, I totally get that. I I loved your casino uniform. I miss you wearing that. That was uh, I had a so little fancy. waistcoat. Yeah, Nicole yeah. waistcoat. <laughs> I'm I'm a waistcoat kind of guy anyway. Um, I'm not a full suit. Really? Yeah, prefer waistcoats. Uh, no, I yeah. like I like the full thing. I like to have the 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 option to take a blazer off and have the waistcoat on underneath. Yeah. <laughs> I like to get progressively less smart as like an evening goes on. So like right, I'll start okay. with the the full blazer and the waistcoat and the tie and everything, and then by the end of the evening it'll be just me in a shirt with my sleeves rolled up. You know, it's like help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, um, okay, but, uh, we've uh, gone way off topic. Let's, we yeah. have. How how is your D and D life at the moment? How's it going? Well, I'm pretty sure um, you're aware. I'm a bit starved, and um, we had a small one shot uh, oh, where I joined in on, um, which was fun because uh, mm. I joined you and I got to play. It's not really an NPC because it was originally going to be. I should and say then... as well before you go too deep into this, Sam will probably hear this. Oh, right. So okay. bear that in mind. It was originally going to be an NPC. It is no longer. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so I'm wondering how much I can say now. So uh, Sam's got a one-on-one game that I run for him, and uh, it's come to the point where I've, I've always, always planning to have people come and join and like come for a bit and then leave for a bit. Um, and uh, he said when you appeared halfway through the session, he was like, oh, I, I guessed that it would be it would be Wesley that would be the first person to join. But I think he, he was suitably shocked that it was um, this session, and uh, you're with him now to form a, a, a party for a short amount of time. Who knows dun, how long? Dun, dun. Um, I get to so be that's... a little mentor as well, which makes me really happy. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. It's going to be really, really cool. It's dynamic. I think I've said this before and I think I've said it on the podcast, but I think that the like three people as a party is the ideal size. And you've just got he's got like a an NPC that travels with him at the moment. And so you've now joined. So there's now three of you sort of having conversations. And that's um, that's going to be a fun dynamic. Mm -hmm. And that game's so like chilled and relaxed because it's just like a a little extra thing that we do. It's but it's it's funny. It, It feels it feels like one of the best ones that I run because it's so relaxed, but mm-hmm. it's it's got all of the aspects of every D&D game I run, but there's no pressure. Yeah, so. I feel like when there are less people, it does 
like put a, a lot less pressure on it all. Um, mm. You can just relax a little bit, which is fun. But um, we've um, yeah, we haven't played anything else, have we? Because we took a break no. from. <laughs> We've had, we're on a two-week break from descent because James needs to prep the final session. He's like, I need it. I need a little bit longer to prep the final game. <laughs> so, oh, okay, we're waiting for that. And then, and then we, we didn't get anything. We haven't got anything this weekend. We didn't have anything last weekend. No. Well, I thought TOA was happening this weekend, but Ray's on vacation, and um, we were gonna do our Spelljammer game. But mm-hmm. I uh, had some stuff that had to be done that had to happen this weekend. So that got pushed. I don't know, life got in the way of yeah. that one. Um, but it looks like the next two weekends in a row are going to be TOA, which is good because I want us to really start making some progress there. Into the jungle, possibly to the port. I don't know if we'll get there in a session. Uh, in the two I weeks, so. I reckon you might get there. I hope so. In those next two sessions, you should. Fingers crossed. The way I'm I planning. Get, I want to get a raft and start paddling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, so we, we'll get some D&D games going. But I've also got like other stuff going on and I'm like, I just want to play D&D. And like TOA as well. Like I feel like I want to do a stint. I want to do at least two months where we play TOA every week so that we like delve into it deeper. Because I feel like mm-hmm. we're, we're only just scratching the surface of it and I, I'm hungry for more. For people but, to get into the actual like meat of the campaign rather than the the little yeah. bit of like we're in the paddling pool at the moment and we're still dying in the paddling pool, mind you. You really so- are like though, because you you decided to go like this is the thing you 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 decided to go to an area of the map where there's nothing. You're like we're gonna go up there and experiment and see what the jungle's like, and I was like okay that'll be fine. I was like, that'll last a couple of sessions. But you mm-hmm. actually went for a really big excursion. So I was like, okay, well, let's make the jungle interesting for this. And I and we have well, that has happened. Um Very. But I'm like, <laughs> you've you've been playing for like what, like 10, 11 sessions now? And you're still not We've quite done sure nothing. where you're going. Yeah. We've done nothing. And you've had <laughs> two deaths. And two deaths. Um I mean we we've had some really cool um well, the mine that we went into, which had the time temporal loop where it mm. went back on itself. That was really cool, but it was so, like one session. Yeah. So as a uh, a note for anyone running TOA, my TOA document is available on Patreon for free. Anybody, you don't have to be a patron. You can go and get that if you're running Tomb of Annihilation. And um, I, the, the one thing that's not in there is what to do with the mines in Chult because I, I something I didn't think about and then James made a dwarf and was interested in the mines and I was like oh shit I need to do something it's like going this. to happen <laughs> um there's a really good supplement on DM's guild for fleshing those out and that's what that that mine was was one of those it was it was really fun just it was mm. a very fun concept um and I really I really did enjoy it I was really excited to run it because it's a time loop as well as something I've been really mm-hmm. uh it, like I've it wanted to run for a fun. long time yeah, like working it out. Um, I won't. I won't go into too much detail because people might want to like grab it. But mm. um, working it out and going through the process and just having like scenes in there, it was a lot of fun. Um, it, it was also as well a really a very good puzzling. way mm. to get you guys used to each other dying without the consequences because that game is very death heavy. 
Mm-hmm. And and it will be going through it. Um, there's no way getting around that. I it's don't kind think. of a taster to if you do something dumb, you will die. <laughs> yeah, especially later on, because like when you delve into the jungle, there are locations for you to like go to. And this is a thing you, you're all everybody said to me at one point or another in the last two weeks. I'm really enjoying it. I'm not bored of the jungle, but I'm worried that at some point we might get bored of the jungle. And I've said, yeah, I hear you. I understand. That's a, that's one of the main like tricks of this campaign but Mm -hmm. also bear in mind that at the moment you've put yourselves in an area where there isn't anything for you to go and explore and when you leave port the second time and go way in the right direction to where we're meant to go there is stuff like there's locations and things and you will find those things um a lot more frequently than i think you think you will um so unless you just like i don't know if you decide to change your direction one hex away that'd be annoying but um but yeah so i think it was a good chance to really get you used to the idea that if you find a shrine and you go in and there's a trap it might just blow you up mm-hmm. but you didn't actually die because of the time loop so that's that's yeah. that was really really good i liked that a lot um yeah. Before we jump into our topic, I know we've been chatting for like 15 minutes anyway, but before we jump into the main topic, have you seen the, I, I know you've seen them because I sent them to you, the spoilers for the two new books? Right, so I have not jumped too heavily into them. Um, okay. Just just as a, as a warning uh, before, <laughs> okay. before you're like, so, go into it. And I'm like, oh, no. That's fine. <laughs> There's not a lot of information out there. If you don't want to know what the two leaked books are, skip forward five minutes, maybe maximum. Uh, I'll give you a second to just do that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so nice of you to give this time. I know. I'm honestly, <laughs> I'm a benevolent god. Um, <laughs> so two books got put on Amazon. Their titles, obviously, we haven't seen their covers or anything. Their titles and their descriptions, and that's it. That's all we've got. Oh, and their release dates. Um, so title, description, release date, that's all we've got of the next two books. Now, bear in mind that uh, the end of last year slash start of this year, whenever it was, we found out or we, we, ra- we the community found through uh, an interview or a press release or whatever that there was going to be four D&D book releases this year. So this would be the these would be the the second and third, meaning mm-hmm. we're still waiting for one more. We also heard that one of them would be a classic setting. So the leaks are as follows: uh, the Wild Beyond the Witchlight, a Feywild adventure, uh, which is, I think, I I have not seen anyone say anything other than this is great. We need more Feywild content. Feywild. I know. Yes. I know. Ooh. And sorry, how typical is it that we've started doing Feywild stuff in our current campaign? And by the time we finish our campaign, this book will come out. Yep. <sighs> this, this always happens. Always happens. It anyway. always happens with us. Um, um, the description says uh, The Wild Beyond the Witchlight is DD's next big adventure storyline that brings the wicked whimsy of the Feywild to fifth edition for the first time. Tune into DD Live 2021, presented by G4 on July 16th and 17th for details, including new characters, monsters, mechanics, and story hooks suitable for players of all ages and experience levels. Released really September excited. 21st. Yeah, I'm really excited. And especially if I if this is gonna go the way I think it's gonna go, this will be in the same vein as Icewind Dale, uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist, Dungeon the Mad Mage. Descent into Avernus, Baldur's Gate. Like, it'll be a setting guide as well as an adventure. Mm-hmm. 
and I that mean, is good stuff. Yeah, really good. Um, I'm just, I love the Feywild concept of these like incredibly powerful creatures that just do things at their whim because they just you know they find it interesting or they're bored one day. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I don't well, know. We I love were, it. We were talking about it the other day, and there's there's mm-hmm. so much potential for stuff in there, but it's also one of those weird areas where it's like, oh, how do we talk about how like how do we run an adventure around a creature that mm-hmm. could just change their mind? at the drop of a hat and stuff like that so it'll be really cool to see what they put in this book and hey it'll be good to talk more about the Feywild in the coming months Mm -hmm. the other book is uh, Curriculum of Chaos which is the Strixhaven D&D Magic the Gathering setting book so think uh, Gilmaster's Guide to Ravnica and okay Odysseys of Theros, but obviously, if you don't know anything about Strixhaven, uh, it is a giant wizard school. So that, that one's coming out in November, but it will also be presented at D&D Live July 16th and 17th. And it literally just says, Curriculum of Chaos is an upcoming D&D release set in the Magic the Gathering world of Strixhaven. So it says includes character options, monsters, mechanics, story hooks, and more. Um, if it's a set like Odysseys and like Guildmaster's Guide, I think it will be a really good book and I'm really interested in it because, hey, magic schools are my jam. I mean, it's, it sounds really cool. Uh, I didn't know that Strixhaven was uh, a magical school. Uh, I'm not as hooked up on the D&D law. Yeah, it is a, it's just a school for for like the, all the planeswalkers. I don't know much about it. I just know it from the reach because Strixhaven is the current Magic the Gathering set that's out right now. Okay. Um, and it's like the planeswalkers learning magic and right being so planeswalkers side thing. Because I know that they added some uh, like character classes as well um, from Ravnica, didn't they? So yeah, Ravnica had subclasses. Um, mm. Theros gave us mythic actions and mythic encounters, which is a really cool concept that I don't see used ever. And um, James and I use it or will be using it in our big boss fights. And I think that if you if you haven't, if you don't know what mythic encounters are, look them up in Odysseys. They're so cool. Um, it basically, you, you kill the creature and they get like a second stage and get access to second actions and things. It's, it's really interesting. It's um, a real boss fight. Yeah. So it'll be cool to see if they bring some subclasses or like mm-hmm. maybe some wizard subclasses or maybe some special magic items or new okay, spells. Maybe there'll be some new stuff. spells. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. I, they do. I mean, they do get all the stuff, so could we just turn that back a bit? It's just spread out. <laughs> all right, all right, fine. We'll but I mean, there's got, there's got to be something there, right? Um, there's got to be something for everyone. But I, I don't know. I'm interested. I think it'll be really yeah. cool. And if, if it's a really good cool. setting as well, then it sounds like the perfect place to run Warthog, um, which the OG listeners mm-hmm. will they'll, they'll, they'll that know That wonderful little about. campaign that you made. Well, it's going to happen. Well, one shot. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it's worth just mentioning that those are out there and those exist, and I'm very excited. <laughs> and we'll we'll talk about them more in the future. But we've we've actual topic. <laughs> we've gone on. Let's talk about the actual topic. So, um, a new patron joined this week, uh, Eldridge Barkeep. Fantastic name on the uh, discords. I use the Discord names just in case people don't want their real names out there. But uh, they have said something that i found super helpful and would love to hear about is mixing narrative and encounters so there's a couple of things here i think before we jump into the meat of it 
your encounters should have some narrative to them no matter what whether that's in the sense of they if they're important to the story then they've already got narrative right but if you're rolling random encounters how do you make something that in its name and is inherently random how do you make that matter and how do you make that part of the story and what we're going to talk about and the reason i wanted wesley to come and join me is how you can do that with every single encounter regardless of how important it is how you can inject bits of story and bits of character into the the time when the game you know really really slows down and typically none of that happens mm. um so wes hello you you're gonna I, i'm the way i'm thinking about this you're gonna give me more of a player's perspective Yes, I can jump in on that, of course, but I will also throw in the DM perspective. And it's been said, and it's been said on this podcast, I'm sure, um, that you are a master of roleplay. This is, I hate everyone saying this. Because but it's it, true. <laughs> Deal with it. Just accept it. So how do you, and I think it's fair to say you like roleplay more than you like combat, don't you? Yes, 100%. I'll yeah. put that out there now. I will squeeze my roleplay to my <laughs> combat. Like, we have full combat sessions. I'm like, I'm getting my roleplay, guys. I'm going to get it, it somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So how do you do that then? How do you make sure that your, your roleplay and your story elements are always forefront, even when you're, you're doing combat? So during combat, um, I think the main thing you have to always take into consideration is what the hell is your character going to do if they're a more proud and opulent character um if they want to like run into the fray and get in the enemy's face and taunt them or they're more cowardly and we want to stay around the back and just like fling spells from behind a tree you know um or tactical that could be called tactical rather than cowardly (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i think it really does depend on the character um i've got like a couple examples um So I know in our Descent campaign, this was just as a little bit of context. uh, My character Drell had just had all their memories taken away. Mm. And the wonderful Klaath had basically done a whole speech to Drell without his memories saying, "Okay, if I tell you to jump, you jump. If I tell you to run, you run. Um, And at this point, um, the character had just begun learning magic. They were a rogue who multiclassed into wizard. And some of their spells were still failing. Um, so I, I was making it so they sometimes I would roll on a chart. Uh, and if it got above a certain number, it would work. If it got below, it wouldn't. Um, mm. that, that's another roleplay element into combat. Um, but the one thing that I do remember is... Basically, we were having a skirmish on our... I always forget the name of our war machine. Uh, we we have an infernal war machine. We were on the big car. We have the... Oh, what is it? The demon grinder. The demon grinder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember there was a combat going on top. Um, and we, we made a safe word earlier about Drell just using a spell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And um, there was no context that Clath gave. He, I to... think Clath said something like, "Oh, I didn't know you could do magic." Um, when I say do magic, do magic, thinking uh-huh. that you do something big and important and special. Exactly, and just being like a level level one wizard, level two. I can't remember which. 
and just having their memories wiped and just saying like if i say jump jump it's like uh okay and i literally just put a fog cloud on the middle of a melee fight yep screwing everyone over <laughs> yeah even us even us yeah no no it screwed everyone like he wasn't like yay go team it was okay let's do this thing mm. um so I think you have to be careful with doing stuff like that because if it's so bad that your entire party is screwed over and it's yeah. going to be a TPK, maybe rein it back a bit. But it was it was more of a story element and it was like, well, this is this is what they told me to do. Yeah, you were you were doing what you were asked, and I, it's true. I mean, like if you've got a group that's that that all of their enjoyment comes from the tactical play and then you do something that's not tactical then you're probably going to piss some people off but we are we foremost and forefront are about story and i think that that was a perfect example of us putting story first uh-huh. because you you did it and we, there, no one at that table was like oh, for fuck's sake wesley oh now mm-hmm. i can't use my eldritch blast but you know so it, it there is I mean, we always say this. I always say it's a bit of a cop-out answer. You've got to, you've got to know your your demographic. You've got to know who you're playing with and what they like. But yeah, and that's a really good example, I think, of like doing something that generates story within combat. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, and I know you're, you're you've probably got something to say around this as well. So I'll try not to sidetrack us. But how many times do you in combat actually say what your character would say? Most of the time, your conversation is as a player, not as the character, right? Because you're in combat and you're thinking about, oh, I'm going to do this and then I'll do this and then I'll move 30 feet. So you're thinking more of the player brain. But as soon as you did that, we started reacting as our characters because it's such a character-driven thing to get wrong. Mm-hmm. It's um, more of a, I'll, I'll just do this. Yeah. Okay, guys. Claff said it. <laughs> and here's the thing, like, we all remember that now. Mm-hmm. You know, we all remember that encounter because of that. Not because, mm-hmm. you know, we had a really cool fight on a demon grinder. I mean, we did have a really cool fight on a demon grinder, but that's not the thing we remember. The thing we remember is, is the, the bloody fog cloud that just... What shoved in the round of a melee encounter and everyone was like, oh, well, we can't see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, that is a good example. And I think um, uh, on a smaller scale then, um, because I know that there are, and I guess going into what I was saying, there are times when we at our table, I've been the player and I've been the DM in this. And as a DM, I don't really mind. It's not a problem, I don't think for me like if you want to talk in character if you want to talk in player that's fine but as players and when i'm i'm a player i enjoy having to say like i'm gonna need to come up with a scenario to make this make sense but let's say i want to hold my action to let off a fireball when everyone's clear Mm -hmm. as my character i need to say that i need to put my intentions out and i love when when other players do that so that there are little bits of interaction during combat just between the characters just as like a sort of um uh teamwork really uh between the group and you can see that happening yeah definitely and i think one of the reasons it doesn't happen is because there is like when you get into combat you you go into that brain of okay i've got an action i've got a movement i've got a bonus action Mm -hmm. and then 
if you're an advanced player, you might be thinking, oh, I've got a free interact with object or oh, I've got a free, you know, this or whatever. Um, but you don't have a, here's how much you can say during your turn. Yeah. And, and it, it's always a little constraint when yeah. you have that six second rule as well. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, every turn takes six seconds. It's like, well, how much can you say in six seconds? Mm-hmm. But like, I, I mean, look, like people would be talking to each other at the same time. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it becomes a bit wishy-washy. <laughs> it's like, oh, it, if if Wesley's on his turn and he's saying something, can I can I reply? Um, mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, if you can, it, well, you haven't said anything this round, which is you know six seconds, so. I guess so. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think we, as a, like a group, give it a little bit more liberty because we do want to squeeze that roleplay in as much yeah. as we can. Um, yeah, I think for me, when I'm a DM, my, my rule for that at the table is, look, we combat, when I, when I imagine combat, when I'm a player, and when I'm a DM, but when I'm a player, I'm imagining everything happening at the same time. Because it is, mm-hmm. right? In When you yeah. think of it, D&D doesn't happen in turns. In the game world, it happens at all at the same time. So it makes sense for you to be able to talk when you're having a fight. But, I mean, if situationally, you know, if you're grappled and bound and gagged or something, God, what, what games are you playing? But... Um, you know. <laughs> for starters uh, <laughs> well uh, we are in hell um if you're yeah so if, if you're in a situation where you can't talk you know you're unconscious then you know you can't talk but otherwise i would let players converse i would just say bear in mind around is six seconds so you can't have a full conversation and if they start getting to the point where they're going back and forth say okay that's as far as you get mm-hmm. you have to wait now um, yeah, and I think our table's pretty good at that. And, and I think a lot of us are like, "Can I spend my reaction to say something?" <laughs> like, the, we value it. <laughs> I allow that though. Like, if if someone says to me, like, when players say to me, "Oh, I haven't, I haven't attacked, or I haven't, like, all I've done is move," can I use my action to speak? I'm like, "All right," and I'll let them say a little bit more because, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, you're, you've not used your action; it's just going to go away. I'll let you exert the energy to to say more than you were going to say. Um, but still, it doesn't end up being like a whole conversation. It still just ends up being like, instead of saying, get out of the way because you want to fireball, it ends up being mm-hmm. like, I'm going to fireball over there. Everybody get the fuck out of the way, mm-hmm. you know, because then it, it it's a bit more directed. But for us, and I mean, tell me what you think, because you've played in these games, but I think we do it quite loosey goosey and, and that works because we've, we know just from the years that we've been playing D&D together, what the, what the boundaries are. Yeah, yeah, I'd say we, we are... I think it is because, as I mentioned before, we are so role-play heavy focused as well mm-hmm. um, that we do have this much looser, like, it's combat, you know, we'll, we'll let some things slide to try and get whatever in there. Um, and I think it just adds to the enjoyment a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, the, ru- the rules are there, obviously, because it is a game at the end of the day. Um, but prioritizing, you know, player enjoyment as well is you've, something you've got to keep in mind. Um, yeah, I mean, depends, that... it depends what group you're with as well, because one group may be very hard on the rules. They want to stick to everything. Another group may be a little bit more mm-hmm. um, looser with that. That comes down to, I think, like the rule of cool conversation and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And like I'm for me, I always say 
the rules are there for a reason. I'm not going to just completely disregard a rule because the rules are what make it a game, right? That's the yeah. game side of D&D. Um, and I will add and manipulate and take away and change those rules to make the game work best for our group. But there are rules for a reason. That's the game yeah. side of D&D. Um, having said that, if in the heart of combat, someone says like the other day what was it i said to i said to james we were fighting um what was that i was fighting that creature it's like a big snake and then it's got like a woman's body but it was a null and it had like six arms this was in descent's campaign yeah Yeah. that's right yeah yeah in the in the yes yeah yeah yeah. flash forward thing um and you forget what it's called in the jar yeah so i had a i had a magic jar that had no creature in it um, but I w- and I was grappled by this creature, and I also had a water skin on my belt that was full of water from the sticks. Um, no, yeah, no, I had something there, that was, was full of water. There was sticks. something full of water of the sticks. I think yeah. it was a vial that kept it longer. Yeah, it was a, so it was, it was a, a special hags jar. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna. I was like, James, what I want. He was like, James, here's what I want to do, but the action economy doesn't really work with it because i'm i'm grappled i've got a shield and a sword in my hand so there's no way that even with a free interact with object that i could you know even if i drop my sword which is fine because mm-hmm. it'll just disappear because it's hexblade um there's no way i could then lean over do the water and get the jar so technically in mechanics i can't do this but what i want to do is just cut open the pouch so that the water splashes on them um and then pull open the jar and use it against them i then realized afterwards that i didn't need to use the water because that doesn't actually help with the save against the magic jar but he was like yeah i'd absolutely 100 percent allow that that's fine because that's dope as fuck that's cool the rule of call down <laughs> and like it, with the hex blade as well like the technically yeah. it's an action to summon in my blade but mm-hmm. there are times when i say to james like i want to interact with an object on my turn would you allow me to, like, can I just bamf my sword away and then bamf it back because I'm not getting a, a bonus from that. I'm just, like, dropping it and picking it back up. And he's like, yeah, fine. I feel like you always remember those moments more than generic spells as well. Mm. Yeah. Like you, like, you always remember the spells that get a good effect or, like, a, a good result. Um, and it's a really interesting one. Mm. Um, rather than just... It's a fireball that did damage, right? If it's a fireball and it wiped out like a small swathe of army, that makes you feel a lot cooler than just like a fireball hitting two things, right? Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. Um, and there's there's story moments in that too, and mm. uh, you know, going going back to the topics, we've we've gone off a little bit, but yeah, we got. I want to talk about how we put those story moments in, but before we do, Wesley, I need to talk to you about something. Um, oh, no. The reason I have brought you onto the podcast today is because. Mm-hmm. You need help, my friend. Um, Clearly. This, this is um, an intervention. I'm deprived of something. What am I deprived of, Ben? You need to stop rolling ones and twos on your dice because I know we joke about it at the table, but it's really detrimenting the party. Okay. So what how, I would like how you could to I do, fix this, Ben? What I would like you to do is go to uh, a reputable dice company mm-hmm. like the Dice Dungeon, pick out a really nice set of dice, yeah. And buy them because I guarantee they will roll better than any of the dice that you have now. Even the dice dungeon ones, because you've tainted them at this point. You and your curse <laughs> have tainted them. So get a new set, use those on Saturday at our next game, and I guarantee you'll roll 20s. Okay. 
And to make it even better. The the better, fancier set, right? It it can be any set you like. I don't care which set you buy, as long as... Do you know what? Buy buy three sets. Just set yourself up for for the Mm -hmm. the next three, like, weeks. Because let's face it, well, as soon as you touch a set of dice, they get cursed. I mean, it's true. <laughs> and look, to make it easier on your wallet, I will give you 10% off with the code we speak common at checkout. Okay? I mean, that's amazing. I mean, it, I'll just, I'll go there straight It will make a now. difference. Okay. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, wait until the end of the episode, but... Oh, yeah, okay. We'll, we'll wait. Yeah. Right. I was, I'll, I'll I was send ready. You a, I'll send you the <laughs> link that I put in the description of the episode to, to, to you can just follow it and do all the stuff then. Um, Sounds but good. But I think that will help. Um, oh, just wait for my bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who knows at this point, mate? It, that's not a bit. Wesley rolls awfully low all the time. Uh, I have my moments of good rolls. You do. Then it goes back. You do. You I have, have uh, so the worst thing is, um, it, it's become so frequent. I have now started like if I play a caster, I usually try and make Ben roll instead. Mm. Yeah, but Ben <laughs> has been rolling really well. This is the against thing. me See, specifically because I've been using my new dice dungeon set. <laughs> yeah, but you don't roll against anyone else like that, Ben. I'm a I, bard. I'm I here for the help. crowd control, and every time I'm like, I'm gonna do this, Ben. Oh well, Wesley, I I rolled, uh, no, I rolled a, a twenty on the seventeen. Die. Yeah, sorry, buddy. Uh, I rolled a natural sixteen this time. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. That's, yeah, that's great. I know. So, I know. so good. Those, those darn dice dungeon dice—they roll too good. <laughs> um, the the I don't have a bit for the other sponsor because it actually does fit very very well into this episode. Um, but uh, if you are struggling to fit story into your encounters one way to do it is with descriptive wording and descriptive writing and if you're not very good at that describe dscryb.com is the place to go they've got uh, creatures which is a great one environments which is a great one and spells they're all great ones funnily enough for this because if you are able to describe your magic leaving your players hands that is mm-hmm. going to immerse people um so go and check describe out there is a a load of scenes that you can get for three but there's also a code it's, just use the word common on checkout that'll get you 10 percent off every single month if you want access to absolutely everything and of course the collection grows uh, weekly i believe um but that's, this that's is actually gone. amazing because that was the topic I wanted to bring mm. forward was so describing your magic and your combat, like your your fisty cuffs or your sword or your maul. Your fisty cuffs. Yeah, I don't know. You might have some. You might just run in there with your fist. There's some monks out there. Nobody says fisty cuffs anymore, was it? It's 2021, buddy. Wow. Nobody wow, uses okay. that word. It's, come on, it's a word. What does fisty cuffs <laughs> actually mean? Hey Siri. What does fisticuffs mean? Fisticuffs means fighting oh. with the fist. Oh, it does actually mean fighting with your fists, all right? Yeah. Oh, fuck me. Yeah. Okay, I've got egg on my face. It's 2020, apparently not, not using it. Oh, right? It's actually 2021. <laughs> we're, we're a year okay, sorry, 2021. All right, fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. So how do you bring story into combat encounters is, is honestly, I think, is through making sure you've got descriptive elements for everything. And I've, mm-hmm. I've seen people say... Um, I've seen different ways of doing this, but the way I do it is to make sure that I am linking my descriptions into the turns. So instead of saying Mm -hmm. the goblin runs forward, slashes at you three times and um, misses on all three of them. He's a powerful goblin, apparently. Uh, Wesley, it's your turn. What do you want to do? What I say is, um, you know, 
Claaf uh, dodges a cut from the goblin high and low who runs forward, stabs into him uh, a couple more times, but uh, manages to miss because his blade is so short and stubby and rusty. Uh, Isa, I'm trying to think of one of your characters, Wesley, sorry. Um, Isa, you look to the left just in time to see Claaf dodge out of the way of the third blade. Uh, the goblin is 20 feet from you. There's an opening. What do you want to do? And like you link that descriptive wording and that character name and that um, environmental kind of factors. If you can put smells, mm-hmm. like it's hard to do it on the spot, but if you can put smells and sights or, or like sensory things in there too, then you're going to grip your players' imaginations and draw them back into the world, which during combat is, is hard to do at times. Yeah, sometimes you have to do the initial where an enemy would approach someone. You'd go part, partially into that description and then you do all the roles as you have to and then you'd finish up um, afterwards, uh, like how many slashes they go for, etc. Yeah, um, like, oh, I'm going to run forward, I'm going to use my two attacks and then I, I... So that's my move and my attack. My bonus action mm-hmm. will be to, you know, give the goblin the middle finger. Especially okay. with spells... Um, I usually <laughs> have this awful habit because I, I want to describe it all, but I know it might fail. Mm-hmm. So I usually go for initial description. Um, so for like hypnotic pattern, I know there's meant to be like swirls and patterns and stuff, uh, but, um, Drell, um, for example, he's more of a, he's just started learning magic and he usually before that was very into runes Yeah, and paper and uh just writing everything about that so usually stuff like that i would describe him taking a piece of paper um that had a a carved rune onto it so not carved but like written rune um and then throwing it into the air and it would just explode into pieces as suddenly sigils begin flashing in random uh, patterns um Mm -hmm. and then obviously I would ask them to do the roles for everyone and then I'll, I'll fail. Uh, <laughs> I but, uh, think there's, there's a lot of give or take with it as well. Because yeah. like when I'm, when I'm a wizard, I like to, as a player, I like to describe my own spells. And mm-hmm. when I'm as the DM, I like to have control of the descriptions and keep control of the flow, but allow players to have their own moments to throw stuff in that's about yeah. their character. So, you know, I would describe the goblin running up to someone and like we said be like mm-hmm. okay what do you want to do you might be like i'm gonna hit, attack it three times with my sword and then move back 20 feet and i say okay roll you die yeah that's a hit that's how much damage yep that's that yep that's that much damage lovely okay you back up opportunity tag roll it do all the mechanical stuff and i say oh how are you like how are you attacking it and they might say i'm just gonna slash it I'll be like, okay, cool, I've got freedom. But if I say, how are you attacking it? And they say, oh, I'm going to pull out my father's cutlass and 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 aim for the, uh, the forearm as it blocks, I'll be like, awesome. So I'll let them describe it, and then I will take that and sort of re-describe it but link it into the next person's turn so that mm-hmm. then I can do that thing where I say, you know, um, I don't know, player number five you see all of that happen you turn to the left and and you can see that goblin uh, snarling through his teeth at, at your friend or something just to just to re deliver the exposition but also to link it in and and make sure that that player gets the chance to put their characterization behind it too yeah um i really enjoy how you make it flow and i love your goblin noises as well uh- <laughs> and goblin noises um, yeah I don't remember. Um, what are my goblin noises? No, in, in, no, in the um, Team of Annihilation. I don't know if they were goblins or not. But oh, they... um, the Grung. 
The grong. Yeah, yes. the they, grong. They were amazing. I'll be honest, I worked very hard on my grong noises. I loved them. They are my favourite. I'm not going to do them I'll, now. But I'm really disappointed that you won't do it, though, because I feel I'll like everyone no, needs to I'm hear not, it. I'm not in the right frame of mind. I'll get it wrong. I'll get it they wrong. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll, next, next time we do it, I'll record a bit. I don't, next time you fight Grung, I'll do, like, record a bit for the podcast. Or so, I don't know. Because <laughs> now you're going to be put on the spot, you're just going to absolutely fail it, yeah? Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I... I have a bad thing, so this is like uh, something that I'm aware of that I need to be better off. If I keep, if I've got a spell that I use frequently, mm. like usually I go into the scripture the first time because it's a new spell yeah. and I run with it. And I'm like, look at this thing, guys. This is amazing. Um, uh, or you can hear like discordant notes or like a harp discharging as a bard plays, whatever. And then as I progress through the campaign, it becomes a little less yeah. pizzazzy. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do my it. dissonant whispers, Ben. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> right. So I've used it three times this fight already. Yeah. Um, but I think that I don't think that's a bad thing because it's like you don't want to just you don't want to mm. hold up by describing the same thing every time. But wizards are the ones that I think wizards and and well, just spellcasters in general actually. Like, honest, main, I think. like main casters, right? Yeah, main casters are the ones that get the most fun out of it because you really can describe anything. Like when I play mm-hmm. Orlo, I will describe what he's doing with his spells and I'll describe him using somatic component, uh, using components and somatics and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's it's about putting in, and this is the point of this topic, flavor is, of your character. Yeah, if you put that flavor in, you can tell story through that encounter. And mm. uh, like the one that comes to mind recently that does both, that does flavor and story, and I, I think both of us love this moment, was in Descent. So Clath is um, he's a he's a hexblade paladin, and he has the shield of the Hidden Lord, which is no longer the shield of the Hidden Lord because he's freed the Hidden Lord, but that has the ability for him to do a fireball once a day yeah and drell is a wizard who now has access to fireball and we were running trying to save some people uh sorry excuse me that was gross um (laughs) we were running towards a group of people we were going to try and save them and there was a group of what were they were they gnolls i think they were gnolls no they were demons Um, demons so there was there was a mixture of creatures i think there's drugas in there as well yeah there was, there was a lot of them right there was a lot of stuff and they we knew that they were um they're resistant to fire but they oh, it's draugr right draugr not draugr um you're thinking of i know what you're thinking of but i cannot think of it not hezru uh i swear it was <sighs> Either way, they're resistant to fire. (laughs) Anyway, they're a demon, they're resistant to fire. Most demons are. But there was a group of them. So it was a prime opportunity to do an AoE. And I knew that we both, we said as a character, we said as players, oh, well, if we both fireball them, it'll be like one fireball. So maybe that'll kill them all. Um, Yeah, I think Adrell also said in character. Yeah, you said something. Uh, I had hypnotic pattern them before because basically they were going into a cavern and there's a lady trapped in it. So we got the lady out and then it was like fireball opportunity because that's mm. the only AOE we have. Yeah, um, which is but great like... for descent when everything's resistant <laughs> to fire. <laughs> they're all resistant. Um, so we, we'd said in character, um, I think Drell shouted uh, to Klaaf to try and fireball it, right? Yeah, you said something like, 
yeah, and you said you were going to ready your action for when Klaaf, like, moved mm-hmm. to, to do something. So Klaaf started running forward, and that then triggered your action, and you were like, okay, so you cast your fireball, and mm-hmm. um, it went off, it hit all of them, but it was really lackluster. It was like, because it wasn't... Um, it wasn't full it was damage. It was not a good anyway. roll. Yeah. It, it was not a good roll anyway. It wasn't full damage anyway because they're resistant, but then it wasn't a good roll anyway because typical Wesley. Um, so, but you'd, you'd done the beautiful thing of describing your spell and the paper and the fire, bead of fire flying out and the explosion. So then I was like, right, okay, well, now it's my turn because that happened on my turn. So I had Klaaf running forward and he um held up the shield of the hidden lord whose face is on it and he said something like let's try that again something something quippy yeah it was that i think yeah exactly i described the the hidden lord the the face has the the shield has the hidden lord's face on it um his face moving and contorting and the, the the explosion of the fire as it uh coalesced above in a big cloud reforming sucking in into a small bead of fire and then dropping mm-hmm. back down and exploding and then going for a down second again, time. We're just like, this is amazing. Which is really um, cool. I mean, the damage and then you was rolled still really low. shit. Yeah. <laughs> the damage was still shit. We did kill them all because we fired. No, no, there them was one twice. alive. There was one still standing. Okay, well, that's still pretty good. Because I remember good. him walking over and it's like, why are you still here? <laughs> but it was still um, pretty good. But, like, the point was, was, like... From, from like, a narrative perspective, it was badass. And it's, from it, a combat, it was, like... It was like yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, from a, from a role side, it wasn't great. But from, from the storytelling side, it had aspects of your character in the fact that they've got to this point where they've learnt how to do this big explosive magic. Mm-hmm. It had an aspect of my character coming forward and, and using his... his um, allegiance and uh, work with the hidden lord to to use this new power that he's got and to to make make you stronger but then there's a big story element because at the start of the fucking campaign we hate we each hated other. each other absolutely and now we're working together yeah exactly like... so there are these story elements within this fluff it's just making sure you you take the opportunity to do it mm-hmm. and i want to say as well like massive shout out to james as a dm for just taking a back seat and letting you and I describe all of that because mm-hmm. I said, okay, well, it's my turn. I'm going to start running forward and that's going to trigger Wesley. So he's going to do his thing. So then you took over and described your fireball. And James mm-hmm. said, yep, that's going to, this many saved. So do your damage. And we, you did the mechanical bits. And then I took back over and described the, the whole shield, how it looked to reform the fireball. Like I did all of that. And James just let me go with that. And that's, that's good DMing because that's allowing not only because James has control of that narrative the whole time. James can come in and say, well, actually here's what it looks like, but he doesn't because he's giving us the opportunity to put in our flavor and our storytelling on what's happening on our turns. And that is what's telling the story of us working together. Mm -hmm. Which is, is great. Like Mm. I love it so much. Um, Mm. That's probably that's gonna be one of my that's one of my all time favorite D and D moments was that 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 round. Yeah, that was I, a I feel good like it's just because it was a lot of story elements as well, and it's like we're actually working together. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh dear, I feel like we have gone a lot into the magic side of things and not touched on yeah. actual physical stuff, which I I'll be brutally honest, I find harder. Yes, um, to describe. I think um, it's it depends on 
like who you are not only as a player because if you play more martial classes you'll be used to that kind of combat mm-hmm. but um but what you like as well like you and i both like the magic side of stuff yeah um, um i mean with uh oh my god i keep forgetting the names of my characters ben this is not something i should be doing that's not good <laughs> nevin nevin yeah. there we go uh, <laughs> um just takes a moment to come back uh with nevin i remember one scene on the boat uh because he's a main caster but when you're like level level two level one i can't remember yeah level um, one or two but on the boat, uh, one of the people had been like tossed over to our side of the boat and Nevin had nothing left. So he just sort of went over. He's a very poncy tiefling. Yeah, uh, like yes, in- yes. <laughs> That's the best way to describe him. Like, oh, yes. And he just ran over with the rapier and like, looked away disgustedly as he went, oh, and he just tried to like stab them like really far away. It hit. Um, and I think I ended up killing them. Um, yeah, I think you did. And it was, it was just like a moment of like absolute disgust having to get that close and use a blade. And it's like, oh, that went well. But it's just sort of like shaking it off the blade. Um, this is the thing though, like when I read the Witcher series, I never understand all of the like sword fighting terms. Mm-hmm. So when I'm describing D&D, I'm like, oh yeah, he he like t- he does a half turn and stabs in through underneath their arm. Like I describe it in a very layman's way. Um, and I think that's the best way I can do it. When I played Timble, the ranger mouse, um, I used his size to describe everything. Mm-hmm. So like he would run and slide underneath the zombie ogre and he'd, you know, jump and stab because you have a different angle twisted yeah so i always try and find something that i can connect to that's evocative in my mind's eye when i'm imagining it and for me Mm -hmm. that's like the the size difference and it's like imagine ridiculously large and small i usually also go for the weapon yeah um so uh having a mole you'd be cracking them around the skull right um the rapier I've, I got really fed up describing a rapier because it's just like a poke. Like I'm trying to, I've gone through all the locations, guys. I've gone for the eyeballs. I've gone for like oh. a chest lung poke. Oh, God, the eyeballs. <laughs> I poke him with my spiky sword. Yeah. I, I don't know how else to describe it. No, um, the, the rapier is a difficult one, to be fair. I'm so, I don't know where to go for anymore, guys. Uh, when I get a killing blow, I can get a bit more out of him. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, I'm going to stab normal... him in an, in an artery. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, um, yeah, but I, 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 I agree. I think with, with combat, uh, proper melee combat, it's a little bit trickier. If you've got a unique weapon, like if you're fighting with a whip, you can, you can say, like, oh, I'm going to whip and I, uh, I'm going to use my disarming strike as a fighter to uh, crack the whip around his sword and yank it free from his hand. Like, that's when it that's becomes... cool. Yeah, that's when it's more like, oh, you know, okay. Like, like hitting someone with your shield. I've done that before mm-hmm. when I've had a shield. It's like for flair. It's going to... Just for some roleplay. I'm just gonna bonk him around the face with a shield, give him like a good old kiss with it. Yeah. Um, and then obviously use my main action. When it's just two weapon attacks, but it, it's more flair rather than just like swipe. Swipe. Yeah. You know? And if you find that you're doing the same thing every round, because that's optimal. And like, I mean, when Joe was playing high level, he was like loosing six arrows around in our like <laughs> one shot that's no longer a one shot. And he um he would be like, I'm just gonna shoot six times again. And like that'd be fine, but when he got a kill and James said, "Okay, how 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 are you gonna kill him?" 
he'd be like, yeah, I'm going to knock an arrow, pull it back, and sort of you watch him level the bow and then loose it and f- and it fly true through the sky. And, like, he would describe it then. So mm-hmm. you don't have to do it every round. Like, when I'm Clough, I'd sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to fire off three, three Eldritch Blasts. And if it's a round where I've done Eldritch Blasts, you know, loads this combat, I might say, yeah, you just watch him as he's running. He just swings his sword three times and bolts of energy fire off them and three of them hit yeah. or one of them hits I, and two of them miss or something I feel like we also have a, a similar bad tendency of when like a combat has gone on for a long time <laughs> or it's been a long day unless and we're just like <laughs> unless it's a combat that I'm really into like that that combat we did where we nearly TPK'd in descent well that gets exciting right and you're we like oh great okay. then, yeah. we're, we're going but oh, when it's just when's a long combat and you you don't feel like you're um like you, you're not feeling like you're gonna die anytime soon. It's just a really lengthy combat, and you're yeah. like, oh, let's just get this over. With. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna just blast three times. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna fireball him. Yeah, cool. How many that hit? Yeah, yeah. They yeah, are saved. Yeah, yeah. Let's okay, just cool. Go for a stab, guy. <laughs> yeah, it's twenty six. That, that will like that does happen. Yeah. Um, as much as uh, like I know you put in so much effort to try and stop that from happening. If people have had like a long day, they're not mm. feeling as like up to it. It, it can happen. Um, yeah. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't take nature. it too much to heart. Yeah. yeah. I think the last thing I want to talk about then is um, like actual story elements in combat and, mm-hmm. and how to use those. And I don't want to go too deeply on it, but there are a couple of things here. One is uh, if you really want to make sure there's story elements in your encounters, make them dynamic. As in, we've talked before about having dynamic environments that change during combats. Yeah. Have something like that in a combat. Maybe you've got a MacGuffin. I mean, it's always a MacGuffin, isn't it? But maybe you've got a MacGuffin that someone's trying to get. Okay, well, the story element is that the MacGuffin is part of this fight and it's moving around the encounter. And so Mm -hmm. people are trying to grab it during the fight. Or maybe one encounter I saw uh, created by someone online was, um, was a fight with a giant spider. But to kill the giant spider you had to like it was it was resistant to every kind of damage from its front but it had a weak uh weakness behind it so if you could get behind the spider you could deal like double damage but the point was that to um to make the encounter easier you had to kite it away and then hit it from behind um and the whole encounter had like the the map i'm trying to describe it without you being able to see it was kind of like it was like a square room but it had uh, a ring around the outside so you could do like a ring around and go in circles so you could try and kite the spider and it had like Mm -hmm. bits in the middle where you could cut through and the spider had a nest of eggs and it was like well if you can get the eggs you can get the spider to come after you and then there were like fire traps in the in the dungeon as well and like the story is well this spider this giant oversized spider has taken over and someone sends you in to go and get it and the story is that you've got to kill this spider and the story element is that the spider has withstood every attack that the village has put on it because it's hardened and strong and and all that kind of stuff well your story is there that combat that encounter already has story in it but when you get into it and you find out that it's got a nest and it's just protecting its eggs well there's another story beat when you find out that if you take its eggs it will follow and run after you there's another story beat. You're seeing emotion there. Um, and then there's the cool fun mechanics of having to like kite it to be able to actually kill it. So there's there's loads of different ways you can you can build story beats into encounters like that. It's just mm-hmm. it's just like foreplanning. 
The terrain is a big one. Mm. Um, I know Joe uh, made us fight on a cliff edge. Yeah, we, we've talked about this one a lot. Yeah. yeah. With creatures trying to blow us off with like wind gusts or whatever they were. Dangerously dangerous. <laughs> um, I know another, like a similar one to what you just described there, um, is the Xanatha fight where I placed an elemental, not as a damaging tool. <gasps> yes. In front of the, the giant fishbowl. Silgar. Um, Silgar. And I had the elemental attack the fishbowl to take Xanatha's ire away from everyone mm. because suddenly Silgar was in trouble. And um, I, I think that's what won you the fight because you guys were doing pretty well because you, you'd, you'd planned, you'd been planning for like 20 plus sessions. You knew mm. that your campaign was going to end with killing Xanatha. That was the yeah. goal. Um, and so you'd been planning for it for a long time and you had flight potions and you had invisibility and, and you know, oh, well, he can't target me with an eye ray if he can't see me and all this kind of like cheesy little stuff mm-hmm. that you'd planned for. And I was like, yeah. So you had taken a lot of the danger out of that encounter already. And then when he started to get hits off that looked like uh, someone got they hit were, by... They were- deadly yeah someone got hit by his disintegration ray and like or, or one of it or his death ray but it didn't kill them but it was like okay if he gets hit by that again that's outright dead no saving you um mm-hmm. and so for you to pull in conjure an elemental and and distract him using a story beat the fact that he loves his pet fish oh chef's kisses wow i mean i just i saw the opportunity <laughs> but this is the thing um, that's a player decision that story that's been brought into a combat by player action and and as a dm i could have gone yeah okay xanifer starts focusing on the elemental or i could do what i did and say xanifer lets out this awful grotesque wail and and shout silgar's name and and you watch all of his eyes twist and turn towards the elemental like and you start describing it and you describe the pain in in xanifer's eye and you get emotional about and it and you know you've done fucked up because if we don't get out of here we're mm-hmm. dead <laughs> oh yeah if you weren't if you weren't dead at that before then there was no mm-hmm. getting out of that counter there he would have he would have chased you to the ends of the earth oh dear it was it was a lot of fun because i knew uh in that situation specifically it was i need something to tank because people are gonna die like next turn <laughs> yeah um and just shoving an elemental in the room will not do anything so let's shove the elemental in the room and then make it attack the most precious thing to xanatha do you know what i need to uh, do well i haven't asked joe because uh, in so in our version of Faerun, because obviously my my world evolves over the, mm-hmm. the course of the campaigns, uh, Cowrie is now in charge of the locksmiths who are, were previously the Xanathar's Guild. He never told me what he did with Silgar. Or Xanathar. Or, or Xanathar's corpse, actually. Because he's... Yeah. I mean, well, Xanathar's trapped Xanathar's, in the mind ring as yeah, well. Yeah, Xanathar's soul is trapped inside his mind ring, yeah, which he has on his, yeah. his hand. He's wearing that. So he has the Xanathar's body... He has Xanathar's mind, and he has Silgar. So, I'm definitely going to write something around that. <laughs> maybe put him on show. Maybe, maybe he comes back. He fed him to the dragon, the bronze like, dragon in the water. Xanathar would be coming up with a way to free himself from the mind ring. Like maybe he's it's trying to corrupt. It's going to be pretty Kauri. difficult, though. Yeah, it would be. But there will there will be people who who are still who loyal will to sympathise with Xanathar. Yeah. yeah, and we'll try and get it off him. Oh, it's it's interesting. When Joe can play more frequently, um, I want to, which is a long way off, so there's no stress. But I wanted, I want to do the next stage of that those characters' stories where yeah. 
I mean, you finished at level eight. Like, I want you all to come back at like level eleven, maybe. And okay. it's been and it's been like three years. And like James, James's character is basically the Black Staff, but hasn't taken the the position. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, Phoebe's character is pretty much in charge of the Zentarum or the Black Network. And like all these kind of things. Like you've all spent those the last two years like focusing on that stuff and then you get brought together back for another fret that would be cool it'd be cool yeah i really like that idea Mm. Mm. and there's plenty of threats going around so (laughs) oh yeah there's always something yeah no no stress there (laughs) there'll be something to fight Yay. <laughs> um, I think we've, I mean, we've talked about a lot of things today, Wesley, I'm not going to lie. We, we, went, we went off topic a bit. But, but I um, think we've given a decent overview of some ways yeah. to put story into, into combat encounters. I think the, the main thing is use your exploration and your explanatory chat. Use your exposition, as it were. I'll get the word mm. right eventually. Use that and, and use it all the time to, to not only bring people back into the moment, but to put those story beats in let your players use theirs and when you're thinking about your actual story and what's happening in encounters drop elements in maybe the random encounter with a goblin well that goblin knows the hobgoblin boss that the characters are trying to find and he he wails something as he dies you know nothing that's going to change the story but little beats that characters could pick up on yeah things like that and then from player perspective to try and aid your DM in the loving crafting of this story and this fight. Um, just make sure to do what your character would do. Um, mm. Just run into the fray if you're a big barbarian um, or whichever. Uh, try and be cocky, make a mistake um, if you're that cocky of a character. Um, and just describe what you're doing and just go for it. Just, just run with it um, and then put your, your flair on it. Because you'll have some flair, and if you're bad at the beginning, don't worry, because you'll you'll get bloody better at it. Yeah, um, <laughs> you will. Yeah. It's just a lot of practice. Um, and if you need and... that inspiration, if you are a spellcaster, Describe has loads of spells already written out for you on there, so those are really good for players as well mm-hmm. as DMs. Yeah, I personally like putting flair on it, but that's you know. Yeah, yeah. Like just a little little bit you go characters usually have themes right you spice it up <laughs> yeah exactly because let's face it we've all been playing this game for what how long has 5e been out there oh seven years i don't know it's been out for a I, while i don't know it's been out for a while we've been using the mm-hmm. same spells for a long time now so you've got to spice it up yeah um wesley thank you very very much for joining me Thank you for having me. Um, I will be getting you on again in the future, so we will speak to you again soon, for sure. But um, in the meantime, I can't wait to play more D&D with you. Yeah, so I'm very excited for the next couple of sessions. I think our <gasps> next session is next weekend, isn't it? Unless we get a descent yeah. in. Oh, imagine if we get a descent in this week. Oh, I might have I to would... ask James if he's ready. He might not be, but... I would be very excited. I am very excited <laughs> for that. We can dream. All right, buddy. Um, Big boss time. Sorry, <laughs> ah! there'll be there'll be conversations about that. I am one hundred percent certain. We're gonna kill her. <laughs> I want. We're gonna get two PKs. We. I don't think we can kill her. I really want to, but I don't think we can. Um, but Claff will try. That's that's the problem. So we'll see what happens. Oh, next time on. Um, cool. Thanks, buddy. Have a great rest of your day, and I will speak to you soon. You as well. Goodbye. Bye.
Thanks for listening today. If you like the show, do us a favor, leave us a like and review on your platform of choice and share us with your friends. Send us to your fellow DMs and players so that we can build our community even more. It really helps to get us out in front of more eyes. If you want to support the show, you can by joining our Patreon. Links can be found in the show description and the episode descriptions on all platforms. The music in the podcast is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82. It's licensed under a Creative Commons license by NC. You can find it on the Free Music Archive. Thank you.